From the moment that I considered the podcast series Survival Thrive, I've thought a lot about the people inside the bodyboard industry who really had to try and push through, you know, this whole pandemic and what it meant for for their businesses. And in the Australian perspective, the one person that came to mind immediately was Toby Player. Turns out he became the sponsor as well with Bodyboard King. This is the last episode of the series to wrap it all up. And I thought it quite fitting to finish with the man himself, Toby Player. Thank you so much, Toby and the team at Bodyboard King for your support of this podcast series. I really appreciate it. And I hope all of you appreciate it too. Remember to support the companies that support the sport. Thank you. All right, welcome to Survive or Thrive podcast, Toby Player. Hey, man. How you going, Josh? Yeah. Good to speak to you. Good, good to have you. It was good to um, find a little window in the life of Toby Player to to have a yarn. Um, <laughs> it's a busy, it's a busy life for you. Do you feel like you you've got much time in the day these days? Nah, it's just full full on every day. So uh, family life, business, trying to get a surfing occasionally. So. Yeah, it's uh, fine, but um, yeah, can't complain. Uh, speaking of surf, you mentioned you you managed to get into a little a few few this morning at your local. Yeah. How's yeah, that? Surf, surf Wally, uh, it was good. Ben was out. Uh, Mick Daly, Tate, Maury, a few of the few of the boys. Yeah, so uh, it's been 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 good waves at the local, and um, for the first time in a while, so we've been oh, frothing cool. and um, having a few yarns while while we're at it. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. Um, How about you, the, Josh? Yeah, I managed to get a little couple out at my local, Tunkari. It would, you know, it never really fails to deliver. So, yeah, Tunner's Tunner's had probably little, you know, three foot of swell, a few peaks. I thought so you were talking about Andrew Tunbridge never a second, but then I realised it was Tunkari. <laughs> 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 Tunner's was down there. Nah, mate, he wasn't down there. Just, just the local, just Tunkari doing its thing, just doing its thing. Um, hey, thanks for jumping on the podcast. We've had a yarn in the past for the kind of general the Boogie podcast, but this one's a little special one. I'm doing a bit of a revisit with some of the previous guests just to see how their 2020 was and whether whether they survived or thrived the pandemic year. Mm. Uh, how do you how do you look at it in what kind of in its in the basic sense? Like, do you feel like you survived or thrived? I think it was a bit of both because. Um, it was thriving so much. I was just trying to keep up and survive. So <laughs> <laughs> it was it wasn't much uh, sleep going on or much else. But uh, no, it was you know uh, I think uh, bodyboarding and surfing in general like definitely thrives off it. Uh, mm. One of you know I was talking to guys out in the surf today uh, when it was for lockdown. One of the few things you could do and actually be able to socialise was to be able to go for a surf. Yeah, and even a lot of people were even. You know, going going to the beach with their boards, even when it was dead flat, just to go hang on the whitewash and have a chat, and you know, getting out of the water is kind of a social thing. So yeah, it was kind of good to be able to have that, and one of the few things. So uh, we definitely uh, like April was one of our busiest months ever, and and same mm. as the rest of the year. So uh, definitely thrived, uh, and it's good to see people getting back in the water and and you know, getting healthier too. I think. Uh, a lot of the individual sports, like you know, 
bodyboarding, even skateboarding, bike riding, just personal fitness. Um, they've all kind of thrived off this, it seems, from what I've known, talking to other people. Mm. Yeah. Can I pick up on something? Did you say that mm. people were taking boards to the beach so that they could just have a yarn in the water as if yeah, to get around I, I, the legislation around um, mingling at the beach? Exactly. Well, you, like, <laughs> that was, you, you could go to the beach to exercise, but you couldn't just hang out at the beach, right? Yeah. <laughs> and I haven't seen like a lot of guys – like fishing was um, a passive sport, they said. So I'd see people that obviously were not fishing, but like chicks and stuff, <laughs> hanging around with fishing rods down the beach like with a line in the water just so they could lay down, you know. So, so everyone fun. was kind of yeah, blurring the lines, which yeah. you have to do to have a bit of sanity sometimes, but yeah. Mm. Um, you guys on the northern beaches, um, you did actually suffer a pretty – acute lockdown there for a period of time in January. This isn't technically 2020, but it was at the turn yep. of the year. Yeah. How was that for you? Were you inside the zone that was locked down at that point? Yeah. Yeah, I was, I was in the zone. It was it was fun. Like, the streets were a ghost town. Mm. You know, that's probably for our, our area. It would be the busiest time of year. Yeah. Uh, from Christmas to New Year's. And, and, and it was like a ghost town. You get, there was tumbleweeds down the street. Mm-hmm. Um, our business did suffer from that. You know, we had we were still open, but you know, we had to we had all our zones. So my, I personally am in was in the northern zone. So yeah. like north of Nobel Lake, my business was in the southern zone between oh. Nobel Lake and uh, Mossman or whatever. Yeah, right. The bridge. And um, so I was I was allowed to go to work. You're allowed to do that, uh, but yeah. you know, people could not come into the shop. If yeah. they were outside the area, so you know, I had a very small area that I could service. Um, the rest of Sydney, which we normally service, um, couldn't come in the shop, and you know, everyone was a bit uh, apprehensive and skeptical too. So, yeah, you know, we were trying to be safe, uh, but at the same time, actually, you know, trying to keep alive uh, during what would normally have been one of the busiest weeks of the year or two weeks of the year. Yeah, um, sales were well and truly down, which is fine. You know, the rest the rest of the year was up. So, uh, yeah, it was a bit of a reality check about how how severe it can be, and um, and the, what other parts of the world are suffering. In Australia, we're pretty lucky. Mm. You know, we whinge and complain that oh, we got a little bit of a lockdown, but you speak to other people, and you know, we're we're like the um, the lucky ones out of all this. I think. Yeah, I'd agree with that for sure. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned that challenge of the lockdown came up, but what what did you find generally challenging about 2020 if you could kind of linger on one thing that was a particular challenge for you as a as a business owner, as a bodyboarder, as a father, you know, yeah. across all the roles that you have? Yeah. Well, uh, as a business owner, it was challenging because uh, just lack of stock. Um, mm. And this is across like a lot of industries, um, you know, just – the, people are buying more stuff than ever because they can't travel and they can't go out for dinner and things, so they have more money in their pocket probably for mm. pursuing the things, their hobbies or uh, things they like to do, uh, which means you know, a lot of stuff sold out and a lot of stuff was not coming into the country either, Yeah, whether it be um, factory lockdowns overseas or um, lack of space on cargo ships, yeah, extra quarantine measures on the ports, blah, blah, blah. So, yeah, it's been been challenging that way. Um, I personally, I guess, yeah, you know, just trying to keep positive when you can't go out and see friends or family, catching up, you know, especially around Christmas for us. Not being able to see family on the day, mm. that was pretty pretty hard to take. Um, yeah. Especially been looking forward to it all year. Uh, yeah, so there's a lot of personal challenges like that, I guess, too. And 
you know, even with my kids, you know, not been for them to be able to see their friends. Um, yeah. During that lockdown period, so yeah, it's, it's good though. It has its bonuses. You get your more quality time with your family. You get to uh, relax. You don't feel like you're missing out on other things because mm. you can't. You don't. No one else is doing anything. So yeah, there's like two sides to the coin. You know. Yeah, lingering on that um, that question of the industry, you could say, and the the lack of stock and the the apparent isolation of Australia. Like, do you think that there's any, or have have there been any considerations for you in trying to uh, be a bit more resilient when it comes to future supply shocks like what you've experienced? Like, do we need to be discussing? you know, returning manufacturing of boards into Australia, bodyboards particularly, or, you know, is there, yeah, well, is there think, much of a thought there on your, from your perspective? Yeah, totally. Well, you just see like how, how quickly the supply chain breaks down. Yeah. You know? um, so, yeah, I mean, that would be amazing. And I think hopefully one lesson uh, Australia will learn out of this is to actually have, you know, more uh, local manufacturing, mm. not rely so much on imports and uh, things being made overseas. So, Yeah. But um, it's funny, like, you see, like, if so many people have, they they really miss the things they missed during the lockdown. Yeah. Going out to restaurants, being able to socialise, and I guess it's pretty cool to see that coming back in droves too. Yeah. People supporting the things they love. Yeah. And, um, and like, really going over and above sometimes to, to support local business and, and things, which is kind of cool. Mm. Yeah. yeah, it's a it's a funny thing because yeah, whilst at the same time, like I had a chat already on this podcast series with Jeff Hubbard. Um, he's a you know he's a a brand owner, and he said you know like he had one of his best years ever, but that the real stress came from the supply chain and how to make sure things were coming in so that he could keep up with demand. Totally. Um, it seems like there is this um, understanding. I'll, I'll be talking to more brand owners through this series, but it seems like there is this understanding that making stuff overseas is a real vulnerability moving forward. At the same time, you know, we did, it was, I don't know how long ago was the final kind of high-end boards were made in Australia, but I yeah, mean, yeah. it must be looking at over a decade, right, where any mass production was happening or even yeah, more. Yeah, yeah, I reckon. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you got the local shapers like Todd Creeley was doing it, uh, basic, um, you know, project bodyboards. Yeah, um, you know, I think Corey Oliver does some local stuff, but most of the only repairs, it's not like, yeah, um, <clears throat> not like it's a big supply chain, yeah, or anything or, or things that can be down. So, hey, stop it. Can you stop that? <laughs> That's Bruno, yeah, Bruno, man, <laughs> little puppy just going crazy. Oh, cool, cool. Um, yeah, I mean, do you think the industry can, like, obviously a single brand probably can't embark on that type of manufacturing journey on its own because maybe they don't have the volume to kind of satisfy that type of investment in, in manufacturing. Mm. But do you think that there's a, there's a kind of, there's a hope or like there, like, cause you must speak to a lot of brands because you must talk to them about getting stock. So yeah. do you find that there's a shared understanding that they may need to think about how they produce their products? I mean, I'm not, not, not really. I, I don't think, I mean, we still have been getting stock and it's to tell the truth, like it would be amazing to have local manufacturing, but at the same time, the quality of the boards that come out of uh, these factories is pretty hard to beat, you know? So yeah. I do remember back 
in those days, <laughs> unless you got like a custom board by a shaper. Yeah. You know, sometimes the um, quality of the stockboards these days is better than than what would ever come out of like factories from my personal experience. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, so it is hard to beat that also, and I can't imagine the amount of investment and uh, money involved to get one of those up and running in Australia and then labour or blah blah blah. If it could ever be uh, worthwhile, you know, financially. Yeah, Yeah, it's a tough one, isn't it? Yeah. Um, with the with the challenges you kind of mentioned around the family and um, I, I imagine that your kids kind of suffered as well with schools being restricted at different points and all that mm. kind of stuff. Like, were there any kind of, um, you know, any unique or kind of, uh, shall I say, creative responses to these challenges, having the kids at home a bit more often, like... Did you come up with any new tricks for parenting that you, you <laughs> hadn't thought of before? Well, I'm very lucky. I've got twins, so whenever yeah. we were doing the homeschooling, it was the same class. So <laughs> that made it very easy, two for one. I can't <laughs> imagine, like, doing two or three kids in different grades, you know. Yeah, right. And I, I know a lot of parents did suffer with for that, and it made you everybody realise how, how good teachers are and, and how amazing they are. Yeah, um, yeah but... I've been like, you know, we got into heaps more stuff like playing cards at home or, you know, cooking up big feeds, getting the kids to help cook and mm-hmm. kind of nice to slow down for a little bit yeah. and actually enjoy those simple things in life, I think. Mm. How about you? What do you think? Oh, look, I've got no kids, so I don't understand these problems <laughs> that you adults have. So, um, no, I, I just floated around and tried to find out what the hell to do with all this spare time and and stuff yeah. like that. So I just went on holidays. Yeah, no, I, I, I had a, um, yeah, I, I basically just went diving and surfing and lived yeah. in the end. So, you know, like I, I felt like it was a bit of a blessing. It, it was nice to take a breather from everything too, I, I found. Yeah, it's like, like nice to exactly. not have big plans and, you know, but now I'm, I'm definitely itching to make bigger plans, you know, like I'm pretty keen on going somewhere and, mm. you know, yeah. competing against people in, jerseys and all that kind of stuff that I seem to be addicted to. Um, so it's it's definitely on my mind a lot more in 2021. I mean, the point of this podcast really is the, like the assumption behind it all is that 2021 is going to be just like 2020. Like it's almost like 2020 was a bit of a warm up for us. You know, you just saw um, you've just come off the back of a lockdown in 2021, you know, like that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, this is, this is kind of still very real and present and, um, you know, the vaccines don't seem to be rolling out that quickly. And even if they do, we don't really know what that means for our freedom to move around and stuff like that. So I guess what I'm hoping to, to pull out of these podcasts is just some tips and, you know, a few a bit of sharing of knowledge from the, the boogie crew for other other people out there to, yeah. to hear and kind of maybe take on board or be inspired by. So, I mean, yeah. how did you find yourself as a teacher? I mean, you were lucky to have the two-for-one deal. I, I spoke to Jared Houston. He just had a one-on-one deal. Yeah. But, you know, like he, he, he had his challenges with that role. Um, mm. I mean, how many hours were you putting into the teaching role? Like, like Oh, we, we took it in turns, my wife and I. So I'd yeah. only really do um, one day a week. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, so, but yeah, it's hard, you know. Yeah. My kids are, were six at the time. Yeah. Um, you know, it's kind of hard to get them to concentrate. And at the same yeah. time, having two, you know, sometimes there is distractions um, and, and <laughs> a bit of sibling rivalry. Yeah. You know, who finishes first and all that jazz. So, cool. so uh, yeah, but it's funny, eh? Like, 
I'm the same as you. I'd love to be able to travel. Like that's kind of one thing I miss one of the most. But I mean, at least in Australia, we do have domestic travel still available. Yeah. For the time being, uh, which is good. And um, you just got to take advantage of things when, when they pop up, I reckon. Did you get a chance to move around inside New South Wales throughout the year? Did you really find that you stretched your kind of journeys out a bit more that you might not have done otherwise? Uh, yeah, I went to Byron for a little bit, up the coast and that, uh, down the coast. So, yeah, that was that was great. And as soon as the lockdown came off in, I think it was June or July, the waves were pretty pumping. So, mm. yeah, it was good to, to, to get away and, and – you know, regional travel is one of the uh, big winners out of all this. So, mm. you know, you see all the flights and accommodation anywhere is just through the roof. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, there's, there's like a lot of money in the economy still. In Australia, it's just been um, recycled back into it rather than taken overseas, I guess. Yeah. Do you think with the um, – this is pretty Australia-specific part of this. We do have a few international listeners. But do, how do you kind of view – the kind of the reduction of these subsidies that have been kind of pumped into the economy, you know, that kind of job keeper, job seeker stuff's really reducing over time. Do you, uh, does it concern you as a retail business that this might be something that will impact your bottom line in a real way? Or are you, do you think you've kind of got, do you think everything's going to kind of build up from here? Um, yeah, I think it's going to impact for sure because, you know, people yeah. have had a, Excess of money, and uh, you know, been living living a life when they have more time, or a lot of yeah. people have been living a life that they have more time, and more time to do recreational things. Yeah. Uh, so it's pretty pretty good, but yeah, you just don't know what's going to happen. But from what I know, <clears throat> talking to some of the older people in the industry, especially like I speak to Terry Fitzgerald, okay, involved with HB a long time, and he was well, when when this whole COVID thing came around, he was like, mate, this is the time, this is it. Like <laughs> this is when this is when the the surf industry goes crazy and like oh, yeah. everyone else was on the con- everyone else I was talking to was on the contrary. Yeah, people were going right. on sale, people were panicking, and I uh-huh. and I talked to him. I was like, okay, well, who knows? And you know, let's just hold tight here. And and I held tight, and um and things just went crazy. And you know, that's it. In in recessions and downturns in the economy, the 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 surf market thrives because. You know, people got more time on their hands. People, <laughs> uh, you know, it doesn't cost anything to go for a surf, except yeah. that your products you buy, which is, you know, in the, in the scheme of things, not that expensive. Yeah. For the longevity. So, you know, it could could go either way. I think it's going to be a bit of a turn down, a downturn. Um, but, you know, at the same time, there is there is that um, undertone of, you know, in, in times, times of toughness that uh, the industry actually goes better. So... That's a really bloody interesting insight, and I'm just connecting dots up in my head a little bit as you say that because it just it's dawning on me that the interest in let's just say bodyboarding and the amount mm-hmm. of time spent on it has more to do with the possibility to do other things. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's interesting now, isn't it? Because it means that it's a choice. When mm. when it's not in a recession environment, when you're not restricted with travel, when you when you know when you when you have freedom, you you have to choose to spend that time in the water. Uh, yeah, yeah. You can, and and when you can't do those other things, well, you're lucky because you have the option. You know, you can go bodyboarding and it is free, like you say. Yeah. Is there a, is there something in there that we we're missing when it comes to how we keep the sport moving forward? I mean, you've been a guy that has you've worn a lot of hats in bodyboarding and you've 
um, you've been a professional rider. You've um, now very much kind of dominated. You, I, I mean, I'm saying that you've basically dominated the retail space in bodyboarding for a long time now, and you've done really, you've managed to really build something quite special up. Mm. Um, and you've invested some of that um, that money that you've earned, and you've invested it back into riders, and you've invested into competitions like the APB event in Kiama. Yeah, yeah. Like. If bodyboarding is always a choice, if it's always this choice that exists and it's just that we get distracted by other things to do, mm. how do you think we can, you know, reimagine what the relationship can be between the industry and the different stakeholders trying to grow the sport and the people who ultimately you just need to coerce into making that choice to go yeah. bodyboarding? Like what, what do you think can be done around that? Because... This is literally just dawning on me as I'm talking to you. Yeah. It is a choice. Well, yeah, it's it. It's kind of hard. I mean, obviously, it's a weird space because normally, you know, we'd sponsor events, uh, as you're saying. Yeah. Or like uh, things to promote the sport in, in, in many ways. And I uh, haven't had an opportunity because of the whole COVID thing, but it hasn't stopped people wanting to get in the in the water and get back into body work. Yeah, it's so, funny, right? You've done a smaller yeah, investment and got a exactly. bigger result. <laughs> yeah, but that's it. Like, I think what we're going to look for is just to uh, – and, like, that's it. You've got to keep reinvesting in the sport to make it interesting. Like, you know, Movement Mag did their short circuit uh, competition this year, which yeah, is yep. a great idea. Get people inspired. Um, you know, a lot of uh, lot of underground guys entered into that, and it was just good to have something to uh, to look at each week mm-hmm. uh, or something to look forward to, something to be inspired by. So, yeah, there's just – the yeah, as you said, it's it's kind of uh, one of those things. A lot of we are getting a lot of older guys coming back into the sport, um, which mm. is great, and hopefully they're going to uh, also get their kids into it because, mm. um, like, they're sort of at that age. But yeah, I think you know we need to reinvest back into the youth of the sport and and get uh, get more guys on on bodyboards when they're younger, sort of thing. Yeah. Do you think that's still the growth potential of the sport? Like, I mean, as a guy that's in, you know, you've cracked the four zero. Couple of years ago, didn't you? How old mm, are you now? Two years ago, forty-four. Yeah. You're forty-four. Whoa. Okay, I thought you were forty-two oh, for some reason, but thanks, anyway. whoa, whoa, I'll whoa. Take it. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I mean, there has been this kind of older guy revolution, you could say, where there was um, the VBC crew. They got in. There's been all this passion, you know, during this pandemic year. Um, there was the Ben Severson uh, board. Oh yeah, sale. the board. Yeah, and Number you know, one. like. There was there was some pretty wild things that happened there that you just wouldn't believe. You know, like yeah. if someone had told you before that that auction was going to be that successful and prices were going to be that high, you would have. Would you have believed it before it happened? No, I don't think so. Yeah, it's, no. it's a lot of money. You know what I mean? It's a lot it's of money. Fifteen grand, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, fifteen grand Aussie. So yeah, I mean, but but you just kind of mentioned at the end of that kind of statement about growing the sport and stuff like that and reinvesting into it that it is still the youth and and is that your belief like do you feel like that's where the lion's share of uh investment from brands still needs to go or or yeah yeah probably yeah yeah. i think so i mean it's hard because you know it's a as as i said like a lot of the 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 influences i guess are are the parents these days because they're wanting to get their kids back into it so it's kind of like if you can influence them, you can influence the kids because uh, yeah. they're getting them to a young age. But we see we have a lot of groms coming to the shop, uh, buying stuff. A lot of parents buying boards for 
their kids, um, and especially over the summer months, like yeah, you know, that's the ninety percent of our market, ninety five. But yeah. it's like uh, to get those guys off the off the Groms off the beginners board into you know a PE or a PP call. Uh, yeah. That's kind of like where a lot of lot of guys drop off, all the kids drop off. And what age um, did that happen? What when? What? How old is the kid when they're making that kind of shift? Yeah, well, like usually it's kind of like early teens, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, younger kids too, but like I guess anyone under ten years old usually is kind of just in the whitewash, can can get a Pushed bit of wave knowledge, yeah, yeah, blah blah blah, and then they sort of step up, and then um yeah, early teens get into a you know a better board, uh, yeah, yeah, so yeah, it's still like we get a lot of grums coming through the shop, but there's kind of like we sort of almost have two two types of customers that see the really young ones or the or the older guys and few in between, but um not as many as they used to be. Hmm. Mm. How are you looking at your year ahead with, um, or let's just say the next five years as kind of an influence of change in the sport? You know, like what, how do you see yourself investing into the sport after this pandemic and learning what you've learned? Because I think it's a pretty big learning to, to realize that um, you haven't had to spend money on a big world tour competition. You haven't, had to sponsor any any events whatsoever probably, yeah like you know there's been a i'm assuming there's been a reduction in your spend for yeah well it has been 100 yeah yeah, and yeah yet yeah. at the same time you've got an increase in sales over the year yeah um, you know what does it tell you about how to make that investment of your marketing spend work or be more impactful in the yeah, next well, year? Yeah, where yeah, do you think yeah. the opportunities are you can't pick it, can you? But we, like, we don't. We when we sponsor competitions, we don't. We don't see them as uh, like a. We do see them as like a, a way we could possibly break even on our spend if we're lucky. Okay. Most of the time, we just do it just just to get behind the sport and support uh, whatever it is, and we'll continue uh, okay. to do that. So uh, you know, you do see direct results, but it's kind of um, you know, as you said, I could just spend no money and still in the same position pretty much, but yeah. that's not what we do. We, we like to reinvest into the sport and, and make cool events and things to get people stoked because, you know, one of the things, even though getting back in the water is great, one of the things is like the mental health of people and to not have something to look forward to or something to aspire to is um, sometimes, you know, detrimental to people's uh, well-being. And, and so it's good to put those little uh, goals or, or things to, to strive for whether it be a competition or a, yeah. you know, um, a, a, a thing on the short circuit video where a guy gets his uh, best way of his life put up there and people are mm. frothing on it, you yeah, know, get behind those kinds of things or even like a movie, like get behind a movie and, yeah, get, get people inspired by good writing. So it's kind of hard because no one can travel. We're limited to domestic uh, domestic tourism, so we can't yeah. really have those big competitions or – Travel overseas for, you know, good um good trips to for, whether it be for social media or magazine or video exposure for some of the top writers to mm. get their get their names out there. But um yeah, all in all, there's more people in the water than ever, and uh, the froth is there. So we just got to kind of uh, get the stoke back in into the whole um you know pro pro scene and 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 get the good writers inspiring the the other guys to to do better and and want to surf amazing waves and travel and live the live the dream live that dream that we all dreamt and lived for a little while yeah yeah um 
Did you learn anything new about yourself in 2020? Were there any revelations for you in the challenges and all the turbulence of what it was? Uh, well, I learned, I just learned, learned I was working too hard. No need to oh, okay. <laughs> Basically. Which you learned that you were working also, too hard. hard. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So what, were you burning yourself out? You didn't realise it? Totally. Yeah, big uh-huh. time. So that was the one thing I uh, realised. You know, but it's hard as a retailer, as 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 someone who had a business when when COVID hit. No, like let's face it, you could either go go to work and, and get paid like a part time wage, or you could make yourself unemployed and get paid a a job mm. um, keeper wage. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was very hard to hold in, hold employees, like because yeah, right. not only yep. why would you why would you want to go to work when you when you could be faced with getting COVID. Yeah. Um, or at the front line, you know, or you could just like not go to work and, and potentially get some uh, money off the government and do nothing. Mm. So it was kind of like w- I was in a position when I couldn't get anyone to work. Really? The busiest, busiest we've ever been because no, like, and I can't blame the guys. It was for their own safety, but you know, it was it was difficult and it was hard to just keep up. Really? And so you the, were carrying all the burden. You were you were yeah, you just yeah. had to get it done. Or I had like uh, one guy, Joey, Joey Morton, he he helped me out. He was he was in when like we were just in dire straits. Not yeah. like no no, I mean it was good, it was great, but just to be able to overwhelmed exactly and like yeah. just not being able to even be close to keeping up. Um, yeah. which is great. I can't complain. But, you know, that was the the reality of things at that at that time. Like everyone was a bit scared, a bit spooked, didn't want to work. Mm. Uh, at the same time trying to Trying to keep keep the uh, business going and and yeah and keep everyone happy was was quite difficult and then yeah definitely was burnt out and then things you know slowed up but still very busy so yeah just need, needed more time to uh, enjoy the better things in life. I do you think that twenty twenty one is going to be that time? Are you making? Are you prioritizing that now this year? Yeah, hundred percent. Like I'm taking a bit of time off at the moment, which is good yeah. just to recalibrate. Um, and get things in life back to some normality for a bit before, yeah, yeah. who knows what's going to happen, you know. One thing we've realised is you, you don't know what's around the corner, so make hay while the sun shines and um, enjoy the things you can when we can, I guess. Mm. What do you think? I mean, maybe it's a silly question now, but, you know, what what is it that you value more than ever after 2020? What's the singular most important thing for you? Just, yeah, family time, yeah. Um, recreation time. Just being able to enjoy the good things in life, and yeah, you're not yeah, that's it. I think if you if you do that, then then happiness is uh, not far away. You know. Mm. What so, do yeah. you What do you think the the you know with 2021? Like, are you viewing it like a round two of 2020, or like how do you see the year ahead for you as a retailer? Like, what are you doing? Um, yeah, how are you looking at it, and what are you doing to prepare for the ups and downs that it might bring? Is there anything new you're considering? Uh, no, not really. I mean, it's, that's it. You can make plans, but who knows? You just can't, yeah. you can't really plan this kind of stuff. Mm. So, yeah, like we, we're just um, – I'm trying to make uh, changes. We, we made a lot of changes to streamline it, the business to make it more efficient. Um, yeah, so yeah, I think 2021 is just going to be – you know, everyone's kind of a bit more used to it. So yeah. whatever happens, it's not going to be as, like, threatening or um, in, as intimidating as what it has been because mm. we're, we're, everyone's kind of like, okay, well, 
and everyone understands, luckily, you know, that if we make the small changes when in whether it be in a small area like the northern beaches, if you can if you can get on it fast and you and you get onto it quickly, then you can stop it being a, the, a longevity thing and, and just yeah. take take the hit in the short term for the long term kind of uh, future. Yeah. Um, when it comes to um, the business and the overwhelm, because I just wanted to actually revisit that quickly, um, do you, like, were the customers understand, like, do you, let me rephrase this, Amazon ships things out like that day. You press the button on the internet, it's basically that good is being pretty much on a truck as quickly mm. as possible. And, you know, the next day a lot of people want to get the thing they've purchased online. Totally. Is that part of the overwhelm, like that kind of need as a retailer, an internet retailer, to get things moving as quickly as possible out of the door and to the customer? And do you think that, I don't know, the customers need to just chill the fuck out and just like <laughs> allow things to take a little bit longer? Yeah, it's hard. Like you know, I can understand. Here, are they unreasonable? Nah, that's just that's just the way the world is, you know. Okay, that, that's just how it is. So, right. I mean, you can tell people. Some people are happy to wait. Yeah, but we live in a we live in a day and age when you know, whether it be Uber Eats or yeah, uh, you know, Uber like everything's at your fingertips. Everything's like instantly yeah. attainable. So yeah, I I can't blame the customer for for wanting that. You know, when I shop online, I'm the same. I, yep. I'm hoping it's going to arrive very soon. Uh, but yeah, there's just always problems with with uh, logistics, whether it be you know shipping containers or yeah, um, or where the, the courier and freight system is just overwhelmed by parcels yeah. and and can't keep up. Mm. You know, so <laughs> yeah, like the, the funny thing is what I've noticed with, with a lot of customers this year, especially is um, them, you know, getting pissed off or angry that a certain stock item isn't in stock, and then like cancelling their order or something oh, because they think they can get it somewhere else and then everyone else is sold out and then they'll come back to you and say, <laughs> have you got that item in stock? And you're like, no. Even the <laughs> one we offered you before is sold out now. And they're like, what? <laughs> and it gets a bit more angry because, you know, they just – people assume that there's just unlimited supply of everything, which is what it has been like in the past. But, yeah, nowadays it's, it's a lot more harder to, to get stock and, and keep it. That's for sure. Yeah. Does the customer need to brace themselves a bit more in 2021 for that reality? Then do they need yeah. to have a well, bit more gonna, patience? Exactly. Well, it's gonna it's gonna be like this for a while, a while I think, just because you know, especially in, in our industry, the demand has been very high and has been for a while. Yeah. And um, you know, you hear stories of some factories having up to a year long wait. Wow. Um, of like back orders they can't even get to. So, you know, that's just how it is. It's kind of yeah. um, it's kind of almost gone back to the like old days of before online shopping, like as if you were a bricks and mortar store, you had to have all your stock like in the shop yeah. to be able to um, have it on hand. Yeah. Whereas like when things went online, you could sometimes just, you know, have limited stock on hand. Yeah. Uh, hit up the wholesaler or whatever and they'd send it to you. They, these days, the wholesaler gets to, gets the shipment and it's sold out before it yeah. even lands. Yeah. And then that's it, whatever stock you have. You, you hold on to and you can sell, and that's it. That's you won't get any more for six months. So wow, you know that's just that's just how it is these days. And um, yeah, I guess like customers, just, I hope they're realizing uh, that's how it is. I mean, it's just a different uh, different selling environment. 
at this yeah. time. Yeah. To wrap things up, what 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 do you think is the as a as an elder of the bodyboarding world? Um, no offense intended. You just you've had a long career in the game, and you've seen a lot of things, and you've done a lot of things. Like, there's 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 a lot of bodyboarders around the world who who will listen to this, and they're they all have different struggles, and and that's why I'm I'm doing my best to try and get as many different voices on this little pandemic mm-hmm. podcast series, so that we can get a full picture of what people have been dealing with, um, yeah. around the world. But like, what's your one piece of wisdom or advice that you want to leave for everyone? To consider, to meditate on um, when they're looking at 2021 and they're they're trying to deal with it and to, you know, survive or ideally thrive during this coming year. I guess uh, one piece of advice is go surfing and go surfing with your mates because, you know, if you get out there and and have a good session, then everything else just falls into place. So, yeah, that's what it's all about. And, um, you know, even in – I know different countries have different restrictions, but if you can still surf – as an exercise uh, option, you know, that's your uh, your physical and mental well-being only one, being able to get out in the water and have a yarn to your mate, hoot and scream and have fun. And then, uh, yeah, just luckily, we hopefully in most places you can still do that. I know in Australia we can, so we're very lucky.